News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. My name is Jay Thomas, and with me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Start of the show with Octopus's Garden. That's right. Exactly. Just like always. Yep. Minus the Beatles singing it. Yes. (laughs) Because we're not allowed to do that. (laughs) Okay, Jay, go ahead. (laughs) No, no. Oh, this is your debut. Aw, you guys are sweet. (laughs) Welcome to Garden Talk, and thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, We've got got some stuff to talk about today, Um, and of course, it's going to be a busy show. We've got two hours for you, of course. It's a good time to get your questions in right now, 1-877-332-8255, because we've always, it's always full. Right, we've always got you know we barely get to all the calls and sometimes can't get to all the texts, so it's good to get it in early. Quicker the better. I can't believe that uh, it's well into August already. <sighs> Don't even say that. <laughs> well, nope. I mean, now the harvest starts coming in. Right, we're getting lots of phone calls on all kinds of things, but you know what? A lot of phone calls on in pictures of blossom head rot and mm-hmm. those kind of things. So I mean, yeah, it's been that type of year where it's been hot and cold, you know, cool and wet and then hot and then we're watering even more and inconsistent watering. Number right. one thing for blossom end rot, whether you got it on cucumbers, squash, tomatoes, peppers, what doesn't matter. Inconsistent watering and also lack of micro micronutrients. Mm-hmm. Everybody uses Miracle Grow or something like that, but I mean, you got to use the micro, uh, which is things like calcium is number one big one to help that. Right. But really, honestly, it's just uh, uh, just not watering on a timer or just not watering. Say, oh, okay, I water this time every day, you know. But uh, it, this year has been you can't really do that, and so that's why you get wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, and that's how you get blossom and rot. You have to go out there at the beginning part of the season and every week, and just go out there and stick your finger in the soil sometimes yep. and just mm-hmm. kind of see. But yeah, like you said, water is key to success. Yes, yeah. So we always ask for you know uh, people to call us that when there's things that aren't going right. But today we want to talk about some things that are going right. Yep. So I got to start to share a story. Is we had a call a couple weeks ago when I was in the, doing the show last with you guys. Yep. Somebody called us about you know. Little moths coming out of their grass yep. and brown patches in their lawn. Yep. And that's when I finally realized that's what's going on with my lawn. You had grubs. Yeah, well, of, of whatever they are. Yeah, Sodwed worms. Sodwed worms. Right? Yep. Because I realized in my backyard... I'd you know water the place really well. Everything is nice and green. Using your the the amazing um, uh, groundkeeper fertilizer, yep. so it's nice and dark green. But there's a patch in the middle that keeps drying out, and I couldn't figure out why. Water it more. I thought ah oh, maybe my sprinklers aren't set up right. Well, once we had that call, I've realized yes, I do have the little butterflies coming out of my lawn when you walk around or you mow the grass. That must be what it is. So a week ago today, I picked up Grub Buster from Dutch Growers yep. and the little sprayer you get with it and follow the instructions. And, it- and Grub Buster is a nematode. It's a yes. natural it's, insect it's, it's that's going to go after yep. things. It's not, yes. insect, it's not an insecticide. It's basically another insect. You and buy, when you buy it, it doesn't look like anything. It looks like no. a little ball. It's a little. It looks like a, a kinder surprise, you know, a little plastic <laughs> ball. Yeah. And with tea bags inside. With tea bags inside. Yeah. And you mix it with warm water in the sprayer and you use it according to the directions. So yeah. I and, and it has to be kind of a wet day and it was raining that day. So it worked yes. out good, actually. So I put it on. We're a week later, and no word of a lie, the problem is gone. Your lawn is beautiful. Oh, it's it's so dark, deep and dark green in the middle. And I probably haven't watered. You have to keep it well watered. But I haven't watered probably for about three days now. Yep. And usually before this, that would mean I've got a big brown patch in the middle, and you got to water the heck out of it to get it to come mm-hmm. back. Nope. Right now, I looked up there this morning. 
it's just lush and thick. In fact, I got to cut the grass this afternoon. So, <laughs> yep, you know, yep. it's it it worked. It, it worked. worked. So awesome. we want to hear your it works stories, whether it's a solution or it's just something that's going really well in your yard this year. Or a favorite plant that you love, or yeah. something you or, tried or, new, or a type of vegetable you got in the garden that you tried that's new this year. You say, "Wow, that's good." Or maybe a recipe you made out of your garden yeah. too. Any of that stuff, all of the above. Mm. Okay, give us a call with that stuff. Of course, we're here to help you as well. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five Five, and as soon as we say the number, the phone rings. Let's go to our first caller this morning and talk to Teresa or Ter- Teresa in Regina. Hello. Good morning. Hi there. It's Teresa. Teresa, Teresa. perfect. Hi, yes. I have a problem with uh, hot, my hot pepper plants. Okay. They are just swarming with flies, and uh, they look like a wasp as well. And I just checked the leaves this morning. They seem to be almost... Like there, there could be eggs underneath, like the leaves, and the leaves are falling off at the at the bottom. The fruit is still really nice, but what's with the flies? So what you most likely have is you have aphids on the plants, and the other bugs are going to the aphids because they're nice and sweet, and they're attracting well, them, yeah, and aphids are, and they're the pulling aphids, the sugar out of the plant, yeah, right? So aphids are excreting sap. Okay, so it's probably a little bit sticky even on the leaves. And of course, right. then the wasp are going because they're they're feeding on that sap. That's just a sweet thing that they're excreting. So what you can oh. do is you can use a product called Endol. It's safe to use on your vegetables, or you can use an insecticidal soap, um, or you can even just use Dawn dish soap too, and make a mixture up, spray it on those pepper plants, and that will get rid of the aphids for you. Oh, you can also right just on. take some nice cold water and give them a good wash down with your hose as well too. Mm-hmm. After, of course. Yeah, well, um, you can do that to, to spray some of the aphids off if you want to as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, whenever I water, you know, they're, they're just this, this, you know, big cloud of. <laughs> yep, yep, they're, they're loving this, the sticky excrement that, that the aphids left behind. So that's what they're after. Okay, and there, there seems to be more of them, is there, this year? Because we've had them in this spot and this is the first time that this happened. Yeah, it's weird. Well, one thing about aphids is they're born pregnant. So once you get some, they can get, like if you have one in a two-week period, you'll have like hundreds of thousands of them if they're not taken care of or if there's not something else eating them. Multiple generations very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right on. Okay, well, good to know. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Teresa. Have a great day. Okay, you too. 1-877-332-8255. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to keep going with the text. We'll get our calls and, and texts in a second here. Uh, we've got time for one more. Our next caller waiting the longest is down south, out in Kipling. And we've got Dave with us. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Rick and Jill. How are you today? Very good. Very good. Good question for you about uh, hollyhocks. Okay. Um, they're out in full bloom right now. And I just wonder when you can pop some of the pods off to do some transplanting of the seeds. Well, what you want to do is you want to wait till those, uh, they're in full bloom right now. So you want to wait for those blooms just to slightly close before you take those pods off. Okay. So, um, wait for them to, but if you wait too long, the bloom, the pods are going to burst, right? So, Uh-oh. and then they'll, they'll self seed. What they do sometimes is they put a little sack around them. You yeah. Don't leave them on as long as you can, but they put a little, almost like a little nylon around them. So yep. when they, when they explode, they don't fly their seeds all over the place. They fly inside a little sack. Yeah. That's another thing right. you can do yep. too. And what kind of time frame from when those 
when the flowers drop off to when those sacks might explode. Mm, you have probably yeah, you got a I few know, weeks, a week. Yeah, you got oh, that yeah, long? yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Dave. Take care. All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna get to calls from Pat and Elaine right after this, but it's already time for our first break. So stick around. We're gonna get to the text line when we get back too. More to come. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Well, a little cloudy where we are, but seems like it's going to be a nice day. Welcome. Supposed, supposed to clear up this afternoon. I hope so. Welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and welcome back to the show. We've got texts to get to. We've got calls to get to. It's a... I'm also going to be a busy day, I think, here. Yeah. Before we do that, Dave was on the line talking about his hollyhocks. I just wanted to mention, Dave, um, when we're talking about the time to take those off, you want to make sure those pods are dry a little bit before you take them off. So don't take them off. Um, as far as timing goes, don't take them off when they're they're still looking green and everything. Let them dry a little bit on there first, and then you know you're ready. That's why when the collectors for the seed, a lot of times they'll cover them. So because then they let them dry on the on the, the plant. on the plant and then that that we don't have to worry about you know timing oh. to catch them right okay all right yeah. perfect okay we've got text but we've got calls first so we're gonna go to uh, Saskatoon and talk to Elaine this morning good morning Elaine good morning hi uh, you want to talk about some rhubarb yes I do okay I'm, go having, ahead. I'm having rhubarb pie this afternoon mm. oh sure I look I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my rhubarb for the last few years, and it seems to be progressively getting worse, yep. has what it looks like black aphids. Okay. I thought they were just sort of black spots, and yep. then I've noticed that they actually crawl. Yep. And the ants love to go after them. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, they're milking them. Like cows. They're milking them like cows. They, they aren't they eating them. They're on milking the back them. Of them. And they milk them. They yep. don't even kill them. No, they don't want to kill them because that's their, that's their, that's their, their production. They're, the aphids are doing the, the, the sap production. So the best, oh, so the best. The ants. Pro- so what do I, how do I get rid of them? You need to get rid of the aphids rid of and the you aphids. can use, um, insecticidal soap to do that. Um, there's endol, which has the canola oil and the pyrethrin in it. So you just want to watch that, wash your fruit before you eat it. Well, um, or else you can use Dawn dish soap or you can use, um, even just an insecticidal soap that doesn't have the pyrethrin in it. But the endol will take care of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I will usually, like aphids are everywhere. They're on all of your trees and stuff yeah. like that. When even when I walk around outside, I look at my shoulder and you got aphids on your shoulders too. Yeah. So, um, you, ha- you might have to repeat every 10 days for the first little bit just to get them at bay. But, uh, if, um, endol will take care of it a hundred percent. Then your ants will go away. Yeah. What about the, am- does ambush work? Yeah, ambush works, but you got to watch because with ambush, uh, it's a pyrethrin as well from the chrysanthemum. And you said read the label for rhubarb, but I just don't remember what it is, but there's so many days before harvest. And most of it's one day before harvest. Well, when I, okay, so if I pick it right down, I'm not going to be harvesting it for two weeks. Okay, yep. Yeah. Uh, so so, so if then, you spray it now, you'll be with ambush, it'd be fine. Okay. That's what I was wondering, and so that, that too has to be sort of repeated until. Yes, you have to do that. Uh, a lot of times, because the, a lot of those aphids, you don't because you, they're big leaves, obviously, right? Yeah. You're not going to get them all in one spring. No. Okay, so there's just because you, you unless you can lift every single leaf and spray it underneath the leaf and everything, right? Well, so, so I was thinking if I pulled everything off. Okay, well you you don't don't want to pull everything off because it needs some of the leaves to create energy from the sun to re- reproduce again, right? Uh, so you don't want to pull everything off because then that's not great for the plant this time of the year. 
And remember, whether you're using Endol or Ambush, um, pyrethrin is a contact. So you might get them that time, um, but, but it, it only kills the bugs that it contacts. contacts yep. So yep. a bug might come back on there 10 yep. days later, and then you got the problem again. So you got you got to keep, um, we call it searching and yep. seeking for the bugs, integrated pest management. One and, thing good about pyrethrin is that yeah. it breaks down with sunlight. Okay, yes. That's what makes it not viable. Otherwise, it lasts for quite a while. But when you spray the underside of the leaves, okay, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that you've got a long sleeve shirt on and all that kind of stuff. Spray the underside of the leaves and then the sun doesn't get at it so that when the bug goes across it later on, then it will get them as well. Mm-hmm. Because it's not broken down so much because it can't get the sun underneath the leaf. Okay. Right. Thank you very much, Elaine. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. One more call to get to before the text. We're going to Melfort to talk to Pat. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, and how are you guys this morning? It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Every day is a beautiful day. It's gorgeous. Yes. yes, especially in Melford. Good. <laughs> there you go. Your question today yes, is my... about a, a Hoya plant? Yes, yes. Now, it's about two feet wide and three feet tall. Wow, it's a big Hoya plant. Yep. And something going with it, wrong with it? Yes, like, like there's so many... Oh, we lost oh, maybe there. We're losing, maybe we're losing Pat here. Right. Oh, I'm going to put Pat on hold, see if we can get Pat back together. Maybe maybe her phone is just breaking up where she is right now. Okay, so we'll see if we can get, get her helped out. I want to know why her plant is so huge. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, so we'll see if we can, we'll see what, what our producer can do here to help us out. Let's get to one question on the text right now while we're waiting. It says, good morning, guys. What's eating my rose bushes? We have other plants around the rose bushes. They're not being touched. Okay. This is Angie or Ange in Lumsden. Okay. Um, the only thing is I, I, there's, we need just a little bit more information. Like what's it look like being eaten? Is the leaves, are the leaves just being sucked on and, and are actually there's, is there little half moon cuts into the leaf? Okay. Cause if it's half moon cuts in the leaf, it could be a leaf cutter bee. Okay. okay. So, I mean, so there's a little bit more information we need. So maybe if you can give us a, just a, in your text, just you give, could have slugs. You could have, could slugs, have yeah, um, could, caterpillars. Could be leaf miner. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so yeah. we need to figure out a little bit more, Ange. Or if you don't have time for that, you can always send out a picture. Rick at DutchGrowers.com, yeah. right? And we can get it that way. Okay, we are going to get uh, Pat, Pat back on the line here in a second. Here, let's see. We can get Pat going. Hello, Pat. You there? Hi. Yes. Good morning. Sorry Good morning. about that. We have an issue there. No, that's fine. Um, anyways, uh, I have so many shoots coming off of this now, and it hasn't bloomed in the last, I'd say, year, and I don't know what to do with it, if I can transplant it and split it in half, or what, because it is just huge. Yeah, you definitely can split it. I would probably, if you're going to, I, Hoyas don't do as be- as good with splitting unless you take, like, all the, everything off the roots, um, and you do it that way. You can also take okay. cuttings off the Hoya plant as well, too. So what yes. I would suggest yeah. is maybe moving into a larger plant. Now, Hoyas, you don't want to go too much bigger. So you want to go about two to three inches bigger in diameter max um, when you're okay. moving it into a bigger pot. Um, and mm-hmm. then you can take some cuttings. So those new growth that you're having, take some cuttings out, and then you can take those cuttings and you can root them. 
um, and you can root them in some water and make some new plants and give them to friends. Now, one of the things with Hoyas that I find if you're trying to get them to rebloom, um, is stressing them. Stress, stress it out. You've been caring for it so much. That's why you got so, so much new growth, but stress it out a little bit. So transplant it, decrease your watering a little bit, and then go back to it. Put it in a dark area and then put it back out into the light again. Sometimes those change in, change in, and when I'm talking about I, like put it in a dark area and back out into light again. I mean, for like a day or two, not for a yes. long period of time. Yes, yes, it and, loves the south sunlight. Oh. Yeah, just stress it out just a little bit. You don't want to like mm-hmm. stress it out so that point that it's like losing its leaves and everything like that. Consistency right. is yeah. key to keep them growing for success. But just stress it out just a little okay. bit for a short period of time and then do what you're doing again. And you'll probably start seeing some blooms. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Appreciate, appreciate the call, Pat. Yep. Have a great day. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. Okay, let's go back to our text line since we've got some opportunities here. Uh, We've got a question from Rob, who's an elbow. He says, two questions. Is it too late to prune maples? No, the perfect time to prune maples right now. Okay. Absolutely right till basically the end of September. I love to prune anywhere from about the July the 1st when the leaves are out, after the leaves are out fully. Uh, right up till the end of September. So yeah, now get at her maples, birches, and pine trees. Perfect time. Because they're not going to bleed at that they, point. They won't bleed in the spring, right? Okay. And they won't bleed right now, and they won't bleed in the spring because they'll have time to heal over. Mm, okay. okay. So once you do them in November, then they still could bloom the next, bleed the next spring, right? So um, so that's why now is the perfect timing. So that branch that's been bugging you and hitting on the head every time with the mower, <laughs> now is the time to take it off. Perfect. The second question is, when you talk about fertilizer and say you give your grass 100 pounds, do you mean 100 pounds of product or, or nitrogen, 100 pounds of N? When I, 100 pounds of actual N. Actual nitrogen. Yeah. So if you know, if you're a farm, farm person knows what that means, 100 pounds of N per acre per year. If you're, acre per year. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. 100 pounds of N per acre per year. So I always take an acre, which is what, 43 something thousand square feet, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I calculate that down with weight and, and I, I draw up an area about two by five feet on the ground. Okay. Okay. And I peg it off and then I take that weigh that fertilizer to figure out what's 100 pounds of N per acre. And I spread it out in that two by 10, five foot area, which is 10 square feet. Yeah. And I look at it and I said, Oh, looks like snow. <laughs> and then I just repeat it. So I don't have to measure, you know, each little thing and then measure my fertilizer. I can visually see that's how much fertilizer I need to put around each tree. Oh, okay. So that's why I just, I just measure it off, weigh it out, put it on there and say, oh, that's how much I need. And away I go and I sprinkle by hand hey, around the trees. Rob, hope that helps you the out. The trees or the grass seed? No, nope, or... trees. Okay. The trees. Because when he's talking about any, he's talking about how much I put around. Now, don't forget, now it's too late to do that now. Okay, you want to be doing Please it do next spring, yeah. Because now, now we're just, we don't want to force the trees to grow, and and basically, once we get into August here, it, they are a little bit later this year than normal, but no, but they're going to start in the next week or so. They're going uh, spruce trees are going to set their, especially spruce trees are going to set their buds mm-hmm. for next year. So I don't want to force them to grow anymore. Well, and because Rob, the rest of Rob's question was, you know, that's over the course of a year, not every time you give it fertilizer. Yeah, no, right. It's, actually, I could give it that one time in the spring. Yeah. You know, and then you're done for the season. So it's once. Yep. Once. And it lasts the whole yep. year for that. Yep. So that hundred pounds per end calculation there. Uh, if you want to spread it over, you know, once now and once in three weeks time, so half with half the amount each time. Right. You can do that too. I, I always, when I'm doing my trees, I put the rain jacket on. That means it's raining. 
then I know it's going to get take put into the ground, right? <laughs> exactly. So that's when I usually do it. And, There's never uh, a time you don't see dad well, in his yard. Yeah, because otherwise, otherwise you put it down. If, if it sits for two weeks before it rains, uh, some of the nitrogen just evaporates into there. Okay, we got to take a quick break. News update for everybody right now. We'll take Trent's call and your texts when we get back. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Just a little ways into a two-hour show. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We've got your calls and your texts to get to. Great way to join the conversation is by calling at one 332 8255 But that's the same number you use to give us a text as well. So we'll get to those in a moment. But waiting patiently on the line is Trent, who's in Saskatoon, and he wants to talk about an evergreen that's not doing so well. Hi, Trent. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Hi. I, I, in my backyard, uh, I live in a town, and uh, the I have an evergreen that's really mature it's probably about 20 inches or better across the bottom and maybe 60 feet tall and half of it looks like it's dying like all the way up one side the bark is starting to peel off i can see woodpecker holes in the trunk um is it completely finished or is there something i can do to bring it back do you so you see woodpecker holes uh, are they actually woodpecker holes or do you think you might have a bore Oh, me. Well, I did see a woodpecker on it last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you look at the holes, they'll, they'll be the shape of a D. Okay. Mm. Some of the holes. Uh, then you'll know maybe some of them, yeah. Then, then they're, then they're more of a bore. Like the woodpecker holes are more round. Okay. Yeah, and they yeah, usually go in, and also, holes too. Yeah. and also patterns, right? The woodpeckers usually go in patterns. Uh, but otherwise, bores will be all over the place. But uh, if you if they're full of bores, then your your tree's in trouble. Okay. Okay. Um, especially if you said the bark's peeling off already. Is that what you're right. saying? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you the one side of the tree's all brown, you said. Yeah. Well, it's not brown yet, but it doesn't. It's not nearly as lush as the other side, and hmm. it's pretty much split straight up the middle. Like that, the one the north side is 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 starting to not be as green as the south side. Did did anything happen in the last through two, three, four years? You did some excavating around it, put a garage in uh, or a sidewalk in. Uh, yeah, um, well, in, in twenty seventeen, we built a house on the on the lot, and that's about thirty feet from the house. Okay, so it's thirty feet. So there's still yeah. You never you weren't within inside ten feet of cutting any roots. No, no. Okay. Well, but there was trees near it that we had pulled stumps out. Some that were like there were uh, maples. Yep. Um, and uh, and some black poplars. I think they were that were very big. Yep. Where we we couldn't pull those stumps. We ground the stumps off. Yep. Um, but when you're pulling, how how close were you when you're pulling? Um. Well, within. 20 to 30 feet. Yeah, so, it, yeah. and it's on that same side? Uh, no, the, those big trees were on the south side of it. Okay, that no. Side of okay, the no. It, it, yeah. If you had some root damage, it would have been on the same side that you were losing the tree on. Okay. Okay, yeah. On that side, there was nothing taken nothing out. Nothing taken out. Yeah. Okay, so then, so it's not from damaged roots, because sometimes that happens on the one side if you get a main root, you know? Uh, right. you, you'll have problems on that side. So, so otherwise, if you have an insect, the problem with getting those, if you have a bore in them, let's say I'm just thinking you might have a bore. Maybe what you want to do is send some pictures, if you can, to rick at dutchgrowers.com. Sure. Okay. And then that way I can take a look at it closer, and then we can try to diagnose a little better. Okay. I'll do that. Thanks. Okay. You're welcome. Appreciate Thanks it, Trent. Call. Thanks. All right. 
Thanks. one 332 8255 Let's go to the text line. Kathy Battleford says, thank you so much for Garden the Garden Show. I'm grateful for you guys and enjoy your program immensely. Well, that's really nice to say, Kathy. Thanks. I have a canola field across the road from my garden. Earlier this spring, the canola field had flea beetles. Then they came to our garden. Yeah, of course. I sprayed the garden with insecticidal soap. Now our beautiful garden, now our beautiful sunflowers are falling to the ground with gray, white, rotting stalks inside. Could this be the sclerotinia fungus disease? What would be the best thing to do for the plant and soil going forward next spring? Thanks so much for, so much for your help, she asked. Yeah, so, so there, so say that again, what's so, on the inside? So it, she think, wonders if it's the sclerotinia no, no, fungus. No, but what was the, the symptom though? Oh, sorry. The sunflowers yep. are falling down to the ground yep. and they, the, with gray, white, rotting stalks inside. Inside. Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple things. Could be a fungal or it could be a boar. Okay, up the middle of the stem of the store, stem. So when you cut the the stem, you'll see whole, uh, uh, basically a tunnel. Okay. Okay, and then it would just it would just die and rot because they're basically cutting all the sap, and then it would just sort of die, and then it just started rotting, and then you get all kinds of, you know, just just rotting fungals, you know. So it could be that, or it could be a fungal as well. Um, now the only problem with the fungals with with that type of a crop, there's not much you can do with it at this point of time. Right, because it's too far gone. You got this. You know, you had basically spray them earlier to prevent it from happening. Prevent it from happening, because all fungicides like copper spray and that are preventives. They're not cures. Yes, they 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 suppress and then keep it from spreading. But once they've got it, then it's really hard to get rid of. So right. Um, so all you can really do is make sure that with those plants there, is uh, best thing to do is to take them out of the garden. Okay, because okay, then the spores will spread into the garden. When you, whenever you're trying to take something out of the garden that has a, a problem, whether it be late blighted potatoes or tomatoes or, or a fungal like this, try to bag it in the garden. Don't rip it out of the ground and walk across the garden. Okay, yeah. Because then you spread all spores into the soil and into the other plants and everything else. So, yes, yes. So the best thing to do for the, that type of case, if you got that type of an issue, is just take the plant out, bag it in in the in the garden where it is. Sometimes you just take a garbage bag and you throw it right over top of it and tie it off and then pull it out. Right. That makes okay. sense. Yep. And then, um, and then just get rid of them and then make sure you plant in a different location next year. For those, say, sunflowers. Yes. Right. Okay. okay. If it's a boar, what do you do? If it's a boar, it's, 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 boars are tough because all the insecticides are gone, right? And I don't like to use any of those insecticides that I want to use on food anyways, mm-hmm. right? Something I'm going to eat. So one thing about the boar, it's, it's, it's it's a real tough one. It's there's not much you can do if you other than get rid of the plant and then so that they don't reproduce and come out of the plant and go into the soil as a larva stage and come up next year again. Right. That's all you can do. Now for most of these that we're finding that they're when they collapse like that, it's yep. due to um, drought or high humidity yep. or watering issues that way. So to prevent it from happening in the future is just trying to make sure that you're really up and consistent on your watering, make sure you're fertilizing often, and that will definitely help. And that's so true because if, if it was a boar, let's say, boars only go after plants that are stressed. Ah. Okay, so if you do the things like do the 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 um, the fertilizers with all the micronutrients and everything else on them, uh, most insects won't go after healthy plants. Okay, especially boar. Boar go after stress plants. Okay, there we go. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is a good text. My tomato plants are over five feet tall. <laughs> He's got indeterminate <laughs> plants. That's for sure. Do I trim them down or do I let them keep getting higher? 
So you have indeterminate plants. What you want to do is you want to do some pruning and pinching on them so mm-hmm. that you can have the plant focus the energy on the fruit growth. Not just growing 15 feet in the air. Yeah. yeah so uh, so look up on the internet if you have time. Pruning and pinching indeterminate plants. Basically what you're doing is when the um, plant, the main stem comes out, you get some bigger leaves, and then you'll get these little um, little vines coming out from between the two of them. Those are the ones you want to pinch ah, off. Okay, perfect. So yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> Prune that thing. Uh, Lane in Regina says, good morning. I bought a lilac this spring, a little Kim lilac, I think it was called, and told that it wasn't going to sucker. And yes, I see a sucker coming. Anything I can do to stop this? Well, the suckering normally won't. If you miss Miss Kim or Little Lady, there's a bunch of you know, there's a bunch of different ones like that. They term, normally don't send out roots like roots out and then come come up if it, if it's a, that variety, okay? And unless they had another variety that was labeled wrong, okay? What they do if any branch grows along the ground, that branch will root from the top, okay, and then just and then uh, put roots into the, if it's growing along the ground, it'll put roots out of the stem into the ground and then grow again. It's not not a sucker coming from, not a plant, uh, a branch coming from the actual root itself. So keeping the plant pruned so a little bit from the, plant, the base. The, the base one's pruned, so it's, they're up, those ones that go laterally out, they're not touching the ground, okay. then you won't have it growing <clears throat> wider and wider and wider. So Why just would keep Julia plant is doing that right yeah. now? Yeah. So, so see, like where, where so, the French lilac, it actually sends roots out and then sends a new shoot from the root. Right. Okay, so that's different. So this one lane, just keep pruning those little ones off the yep. bottom, making yep. sure they're actually, not getting out too what far. What I like doing is just grab that branch and just give it a little lift because the roots won't be very deep when they're young. Yes. And you just lift it up and there'll be little roots on it and you can cut it off and then you actually can go transplant that plant somewhere else. Give it to your friend. Yep. They can have a lilac too. Okay, uh, one more text before we got to go to a break. Good morning. What causes green, brown, circular spots in the lawn? Oh, sorry, lawn. I'm reading this wrong. That's the other text. What causes green, brown, circular spots in the bottom of tomatoes? And when you cut into them, they're not very good. It's called blossom and rot, and it's from inconsistent watering, um, lack of nutrients, yeah. mostly calcium. Um, but we usually find it from that little sort of wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. And those dry. green circles will turn brown or black mm-hmm. later. Yeah. The top truffle trouble is that we're, you know, kind of in the time when people are going on holidays, they're going camping, so they're away for a week, so then maybe their friend waters it for them or their neighbor, but it doesn't get quite watered as well as it should, right? Yeah, yeah. that's true, but it usually you'll start seeing that um, at the onset earlier on, so it's inconsistent watering while the plant is developing as well, too. Oh, okay. And then, so you need to have consistent watering and fertilizing all the way through the life cycle so that that plant has nice, healthy, it's got lots of calcium. We've been starting to use um, more fertilizers with a kelp base to them, too. Um, that's been really helping. Even using. the alfalfa pellet tea yeah. has lots of calcium in it as well. All these micronutrients yep. and organic fertilizers, we're finding that these vegetables are just loving them. Yep. Excellent. Okay, more text to come. Join the conversation at one 332 8255 You're listening to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas. Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke are here. Of course, we're talking about uh, what's going wrong. We also want to hear if there's something going right with your yard. I know we always talk about things that are, you know, kind of perplexing us and giving you grief with your vegetables or the lawn or the flowers or the shrubs or the trees. If you've got something that's going great, we want to hear about it today too. one 332 8255 or on the phone line. You can brag a little bit that way as well. Let's go to the text line right now. We're going to talk about some more questions we've got coming in. Uh, this is Carrie from Stockholm. When can I move ferns? 
and they're in full shade now. Can I move them into a sunny spot? You want to make sure that they're dormant when you're moving them. So you want to wait until the fall when the first frost yep. hits them. The leaves have sort of died back down. Then you can move them then. Um, or you can sort of mark where they are in the in the spring. Um, I've seen some people even put like those little um, windmill things from the dollar store that the kids oh, are yeah. into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put them throughout their yard and then they have their, their plants and then they can move them in the spring if you want to as well. Okay, so spring, late fall yeah. kind of thing. Anytime Not after, right now. When they actually, some of them in some places, they would have withered because some of them don't have in a little bit of sunny areas and they would have turned brown and withered down then you can move them still now if they've gone dormant if you they've can definitely gone dormant. move them now can they yep. go can they go to full sun like to no. next year no, no. they need so, to be in a shady, shady. location so ferns won't, won't do well in sun yeah, yeah both, the, they get scorched a, an east location would be fine um and a north location but putting them on the south and west they're just going to scorch for you and you're going to find that they'll maybe be good for the first part of the season then they'll just unless, go they're, dormant. unless they're underneath a tree or something else is shading them yeah right okay. at three o'clock in the afternoon if you put your hand out you should see a sharp shadow otherwise you're, I mean, you shouldn't see a sharp shadow. That's where you should go. Okay. All right. This is another text. one 332 8255 My poppies are done blooming. I want to save the seeds. If I pick off the seed pods, will they ripen or do I need to leave them on the plant into their brown and dried up. So similar to the hollyhocks yeah. that we were talking about earlier, um, you want to let them dry on the plant, but it, it just differs every year of how long that's going to take. So um, sometimes you can get those little sachet bags. Um, you, they're sort of like um, just a sort of a mesh material and you sort of just put them over the poppy bag and then tie them you off. put beads into them and those kind of things, you know? Yeah, and you yeah. just put them on there and then they can still dry because the air is getting through to them, but uh, hey. you're ready to collect them. Okay. Uh, this is from uh, Julian in Melville. Good morning, Rick and company. My potatoes are ruined with Colorado potato beetles. Someone suggested now that they have flour, just cut them down and bag the stalks. Your suggestions are appreciated. Um, you can you can you can spray them. Uh, you can use bug X or ambush, right? On the uh, potato beetle. On the potato yeah. beetle, because that won't go translocate down into the plant, and that'll kill them. We'll just have to watch. You, if they're still flowering, okay, and some, some potatoes might be still flowering. Most of them are done that now, but they might, some of them might be flowering. You have to do it at nighttime because you don't want to hit any bees. Okay. Okay. So that's the critical part. So you don't do it in the evening when the bees have gone to sleep. Otherwise, you know, we had a caller come. The onion. Yes. What he did is he, remember what he did? He, yes. He had a whole whack of them. And instead of just putting a slice of onion in the hole, what he did is he planted an onion plant. Every second or third? Yeah, he alternated his potato plants with an onion with plant. With onion plant. Yeah, I think it was two and then one, something like that. Two potato three plants and then, and then one onion. And then plant. another two potato plants, and another onion plant. No, no potato beetles. None, he said. Yes, and there was has, none. And he had like, a, I think he said had like 120 hills. Hills. Yeah, he had a lot. Yeah. So there you well, go. He had 60 so plants there, of there you onions. Don't have, you don't have to waste an onion cutting it up. Just actually plant an onion. Now you got onions and potatoes. Yeah, they'll both grow together. And Progy and, and, and exactly. time together. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A cow for some sour cream and you are set. Uh, <laughs> let's go to our next text. Uh, this is Julian Battleford. couple things she wants to ask. When can I start pruning my cherry trees and hascap bushes? Uh, cherry trees and hascap, you can do some light pruning. Um, like hascaps are done, right? They're done fruiting now. The, if you haven't got them, the birds have taken care of them by now. So you can do some I, hascaps. I mean, they're, they're honeysuckle family. And I've had honeysuckles where I've had as a hedge. So I prune them multiple times 
during the year, right? right? So okay. just light prunings. If you want to do some heavy prunings, do it when it's dormant. And the cherry trees right now, they're just about, they're, people are harvesting them right now, basically the cherries. So, I mean, you want to wait until after you've done the harvest, you can do some light pruning. Or otherwise, there again, once the plant is dormant, so basically in, in end of September, October, be, uh, probably October, or otherwise the first week in April. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. The other thing she has says is my Chinese lanterns are getting white spots on the leaves. How to deal with that? No, that sounds like it's powdery mildew. So it's caused from just uh, too much humidity in the air um, and maybe a little bit of, of drying out in between um, with your plants. So you can spray them with a fungicide is what you want to do because you want to make sure that it's not going to spread elsewhere. So grab a sulfur spray or a garden fungicide, spray that on, and that will help it prevent from spreading. With her Chinese lantern plants, she's probably wanting to grow them so that she has some nice, beautiful cuts for the fall season they're mm-hmm. they're very unique um so make sure that you do that now so that you it stops the fungus because that damage once even when you clear it up it's going to leave little brown spots on those leaves okay beets and carrots not getting any product underneath the top tops are about six inches tall and then they're in sandy soil what's going on um so number one thing is watching the moisture okay uh, number two is that watching that you don't put too much nutrients in there because a lot of times you get too much nutrients, you get a whole whack of top, top growth and no, bottom. and no bottom. So on your on your ground crops, they don't need a ton of nutrients, okay? Like especially nitrogen. So that's the one thing to be careful about, you know, don't a put little a little bit of bone meal when you plant yeah, them. But don't put a lot of compost in those areas wherever your ground crops are and that kind of stuff. Okay, perfect. We're gonna take a quick break. News update for everybody right now. The second hour of Garden Talk is coming up on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Just getting underway with hour number two, and welcome back to the show. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk, and we've got texts and calls and lots of good stuff. We've had even a good news story from Rob. Uh, sorry, not Rob. It was who was my who was my person here? Well, it's disappeared. Anyways, we had a good story about uh, some some spruce trees, some big evergreens that are actually doing better. They yes. had uh, some issues. Needle cast. Needle cast. Copper spray has been helping out. There's yep. been water, there's been fertilizer, and things are looking better. So that's good to hear. So thanks for that. Keep, keeping it healthy and, and spraying it for that needle cast. It's, I, I drive around and I see it quite often. So, I mean, and it looks like a, looks like someone put a fire to it and went right down the row of trees, you know? Yeah, like, right. So it's just a matter of once you see that, um, it's, you just got to get on top of it because otherwise you'll wipe out your whole beautiful legacy windbreak. All right. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to go text and take some calls right now out to Humboldt right now to talk to Ann. Hi, Ann. Uh, hi. Uh, I have a question. I want to do some fall planting of a radish and uh, spinach, and I'm wondering when I should be doing this. For fall harvest. For fall harvest, you want to get, well, the spinach, it will come up pretty quickly. The, the radishes, you want to get them in right now. Um, a lot of times we'll see the fall planting, um, happen in a little bit warmer climates than, than what we have. Um, so you might have wanted to start, um, for your radishes a little bit earlier than right now. Um, but, but you can try it and then put some crop cover on it, um, just in case our temperatures, because we don't know when we're going to get those cold patches, um, come, come September, October. Um, that's the only thing that's a little bit iffy. But the spinach, it's going to come up. You're going to be able to get some extra crops on it. And with the spinach, I will actually usually buy an extra package of seed when I'm seeding it the first time. And then I'll continually seed throughout the season. Same thing with radishes. 
plants too, so that I'm not just waiting for a, a fall fall harvest, but I'm having that continual harvest all the time. So I'll harvest it and I'll lay a row of seed in beside it or just a little ways away. And then that one will come up while the other one's still growing. I'll be able to use it and then it will kind of just continue on in that cycle. And how about kohlrabi? Could that be planted also uh, late like this? It's too late for kohlrabi. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Have a good day. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. It's funny. Uh, I was listening to the new ca- newscast on. I think it was on Friday. Okay. And I actually heard um, the the weather person swear. Oh. It was bad. It was terrible. Is I, it a four I, letter I word that starts with S? It, it started with an F. Like oh. frost. Oh my goodness! In the Prince Albert frost. area, frost. Good they've said grief. two degrees with a risk of frost. I said, okay, it's okay. It's, it's the beginning of August. Okay, you're not allowed to say that. No, that's one F word we can't say. No. <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk to <laughs> in the gardening world. Yeah. In August, we are not allowed to say frost. frost. Exactly. <laughs> not in August. Like saying. And I'm like, why are you bringing this up on the air? I, I, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. I says, I heard frost. He said frost, and it's only like, what is it? The August, the what is this? What, August it's the seventh. Yeah. No, can't be. It's like saying Macbeth backstage. <laughs> you just don't do it. Just don't do it. Okay, let's go into Saskatoon here and talk to Ian, who's with us. Hi, Ian. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I planted some perennials in a new flower bed. And I use uh, two by eight lumber to edge it off. Yep. So I'm wondering, um, I don't know what the insulation value is of the wood compared to ground. So is was it? Should I have put the plants maybe um, like at each end, uh, a few inches away from the wood more? Yeah, because two by eight, you're you're seven and a quarter, seven and a half inches tall. So most times your snow will cover the sides of that, so you won't have too much problems. It's when you're a little bit taller than that when you have usually some issues. Okay, and so um, the what type of plants did you plant there? Um, I've got one, two, three different ones. I've got phlox at the end, yeah, and then rudbeckia, and then um, oh boy. Um, not hot lips. Uh, yep. See, so okay. you put you put a bunch of some perennials, anyways. Yeah. And so what what you can do when whenever you're worried about that kind of thing when you were built when you it's too late now because you got them all planted everything else. But it, when you were building it, if you put some styrofoam on the inside, and then then you'd have your insulation value, lots of it. Okay. okay. So, but right now, what you can do if you want is just make sure that you um, uh, with with that little bit just with the first snow that comes by. Uh, in in the fall, just just throw it up against the edge. You know, yeah. Make sure you're snow. mounding that snow up, especially if it's a windy area and the snow keeps getting blown off. Make yep. sure you're mounting it up. You want to make sure you're getting lots of insulation value for those perennials, so that they're that the the roots are freezing and staying frozen. They're not freeze thaw, freeze yep. thaw, freeze thaw. That's the biggest thing. That but you're usually about. that seven and a half inches will be covered up with snow mm-hmm. most of the winter, yeah, anyways. I had talked to Jill about this, um, and thank you very much, Jill, about uh, proper way to mulch. I'm also going to plant two uh, hot lips turtle head and two um, humulu. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Um, or was it? They're about two feet tall, and they, they kind of they're a type of daisy, I guess, in a way. Um, but anyways, yeah. Thank you. Can I one other really quick question? Sure. Um, my neighbor across the alley was outside um, 
um, shearing back her uh, lilacs, or not, yeah, lilacs, because yep. they had overgrown. And she stopped, as somebody from the federal government, I'm assuming federal government, had put a yellow container in there and said, don't remove because it's something to do with disease. I have no idea what that is, and neither does she. Do you have any idea? Yeah, what they're doing is it's an insect trap. So they're looking for different types of insects that are not supposed to be here, like a gypsy moth or something, emerald ash borer, whatever. They're, they're doing so, research. So, doing, so what they're doing is they're doing little traps every once in a while, and they're just looking for insects that are not supposed to be here that uh, that they're just trying to get numbers on to see if there's any around. And so they have an attractant into that that would attract certain a certain type of a bug. Um, so it would let off a pheromone. It would let off a pheromone that would attract a, that type of bug. And they want then they go by and check to see whether there's any of those insects in the area. Thank you. We were thinking that the plant that it was attached to, you know, the the hedge was diseased. No, no, and, no. You, okay. you'll, you'll see that every once in a while, especially if there's suspicion. Uh, of an insect being around, like like right now, emerald ash borer, they're watching for it like crazy. Um, so they just want to keep on top of that to make sure that if they do need to do any any um, you know any mitigation toward that, then they can be on top of it rather than behind it. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Ian. Take yep. care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Grant, hang on to your question and hang on the line for us because we'll get to your call as soon as we get back. And we're going to keep going with the text as well. So stick around. Lots more to come on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Time flies when you're having fun. We're already working our way through our second hour of Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay, and with me is, like always, Jill and Rick, and we're answering your questions and texts, looking for some good good news as well, things that are turning out well in your yard. So don't forget, if you've got some of that, we'd love to hear about as well. We've got somebody waiting patiently on the phone lines with us right now, though, in Regina. Grant is there, and he wants to talk about his apple trees. Good morning, Grant. Good morning, I'm hoping uh, that you guys might have a suggestion for me to uh, save a future potential dilemma that I've got with an apple tree. Uh, this tree is only three years old and uh, has, has been growing nicely, but uh, this past January, with the crazy winds we occasionally get in this province, uh, it broke the leader off of this tree. Yep. So the tree has continued growing. The problem is that I've realized a couple of days ago, looking at an article online about pruning, keeping your trees trimmed, um, the problem in this case, and in fact I can already see it, the main branch, the Y, I guess if you want to call it that, that branches off from what the leader was that of course now has all the apples on it, it's weighing heavily. And according to this article, a person doesn't want that scenario because at some point you've just got a tree that's going to split down the middle. Yep. So what do you suggest I do? Should I cut that that Y back half or where? Yeah, at least uh, or a third, one third. Sorry, one third by a third. Yep. And that should then force the leader to reestablish itself. You need to go branches will head more upwards then. From that point, oh, rather, than keep okay. going up, rather than going out. Now you have to keep pruning it because they'll still want to put new ones out to the side, right? Right. And then, of and so what you can do right now to make sure you don't have it is you can just thin the apples, okay? Oh, okay, right. right. So, so that you do don't that. get because because the apples are still maturing right now. Some are you know going to be ready by the end of August, right? Some right, by the fifteenth, some by the fifteenth of August, depending what variety you have. 
and some yeah. into September. Yeah. So they're going to start getting bigger and bigger now. Now is the time they're going to get bigger and bigger. So, so it, with it, a tree with a form like that, am I always going to have a weak point there as a result? Uh, you could. Uh, it, it, I'd have to see the actual point. If you wanted to, you could take a picture of the joint and just, okay. just send it to Rick at DutchGrowers.com. All right, I will certainly do that because, yeah, what was the leader, it's that branch is maybe only about a half inch in size yep. versus the Y, it's probably an inch or an inch and a half in size. Yeah, yeah, so let, let's take a look at it and then I can, then I can tell you what, what, what that looks like. And then okay. even s- and send me a couple of pictures from some different directions too, okay? Okay, I will, I will absolutely do that. Okay. Thanks Perfect. for your call, Grant. Really glad you guys are doing the two-hour thing. Oh, Thank you. awesome. Good. All right, Have take care. Weekend. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. one 332 8255 I was thinking as well, you know, the other thing you can do when you're stuck with a Y that you're worried is going to yep. crack in half is always, we talked about before, you know, putting some threaded rod through it, yep. right? But, Making sure it's not going to pull itself yep. in half. But the problem with that, if it's already done to crack, then the every time it rains, the water's going to go down into that crack and eventually <sighs> rot it out anyways, yes, right? Right, so, right. So it will be an issue. Gotcha. Um, so the best thing to do is as a tree grows, just watch for those Ys and take them off when they're young mm-hmm. and just have one rather than two and then you won't have that Y. Gotcha. It'll heal over and then you won't have that Y. Jordan and Langham has uh, sent us a text. I think we've answered this once already, but it's good to talk about it again. It says, I've got potato bugs the last three years. Wondering if there's something I can do in the fall or the spring to remedy this. Well, we found from one of our callers that yep. what they had success is uh, they planted a onion plant every every two plants. Two so or they three did. plants, right? That's yeah, what you said. two yep. or three plants. Two and potato I've, plants, one onion plant. And we also had another caller saying that they actually cut up pieces of onions and put them in the same hole as the potato so that worked as well too and then, for them. And another one where he, he just he sent me an email. He used a, a certain product, and I looked at what the product was, and it's just pyrethrum. So even he just sprays ambush. Mm-hmm. Oh. I just got to remember, and he, he was able to control them easy that way because it affects their nervous system. Yep. You just can't spray when the bees are around. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So you have to spray in the evening. Very, very the, late evening. The, yeah. The, the beetles are still around, so spray in the evening when the when the when the. And when those are a contact spray. So if contact. you have it sitting on the plant and then it, yep. it walks through it later, that's fine. But yep. if as soon as it's evaporated, it's not going to affect them at right. all. Right. Okay. Joan in Saskatoon says, good morning. I've got a seven-year-old red rocket maple in a perennial bed that gets pretty much full sun. Yep. The leaves are starting out green in the spring and then gradually turn yellow. If it gets really hot, they scorch. Most stay in the tree, but it does lose some. Yep. I bought aluminum sulfate last year, but I don't think I'm using it correctly. How much and how often? How late and early in the season do I use it? Will that affect other plants around the tree? Okay, so aluminum sulfate, basically what you should do is you want, you want to get the, the pH around 6.5 to 7 with the, with the rock at maple, okay? Okay. Uh, that's where it'll do the best. Uh, but number one thing is that in the heat of the sun, you, it's not getting enough moisture. So it's, it's, it's too dry. Okay, that's why you're scorching. Yes. And so, but you want to be careful because once you start getting to the end of August, if you don't, if you don't, um, slow down in the watering, it'll, it'll, the plant will want to keep growing. Okay. That happened to me with my maple in my backyard. Yep. Remember, we lost it eventually after three years. Yeah. Because it'll want to keep growing and then it doesn't shut down. So it doesn't turn red. It stays green. 
and it has to turn red or has turned whatever the maple has turned yellow or whatever. Yep. Otherwise, you'll get some winter damage on it. Okay. Mm. So that's that's the key. But during this hot summertime, like right, you know, this next few days are going to be in the thirties. Yeah. Right. You just want to make sure you give it just a little bit extra water so that it has enough uptake. Because they just grow so quickly and they have such big leaves that if they don't have the moisture there, um, and you need to poke down like with a piece of rebar, like twelve inches down. It's just not you know. Watering your grass is not doing the trick. Right. Okay. And she said she had a bunk amongst some other plants, right? Yep. So just making sure that she does some deep water. So she may want to get a root feeder. Okay. That gets down past her other perennials or shrubs. They might or, suck it all up before might, that tree before really that gets tree in really it. gets a lot of it, right? Yes. So, so that just, just watching the moisture down a little bit deeper. Okay. Uh, Ronnie from Saskatoon says, good morning. Uh, I've got a Virginia creeper on a trellis whose leaves have a tinge of white on them. Again, probably a mildew that we're seeing there if they have a touch of white on them. Um, unless you've been spraying or they have hard water or something like that, or, then you'll or, see that or too. Or watch for if you have white fly or leaf hoppers. Mm -hmm. They also suck on the leaves and then leave just a, a basically a white speckles on, on the soil. It's hard to say what they're saying the white is. Yeah, so, so have, have a quicker look at it. If it looks like it's almost like a white powder, um, like, like spores, then that would be a powdery mildew. You use a garden fungicide to clean that up or a sulfur spray. Um, if it is more of a bug, like a spider mite, then you can use an endol or an ambush yeah, and yeah. that will clean that up that way. Yeah, okay. All right. This is from Tracy in Saskatoon. Good morning. Love the show. Best opinion to get rid of lily beetles. Will ambush work? Yep. Ambush. Would work. Ambush will work, but it will also harm your blossoms. Yeah, you don't want to hit well the too. just hit the leaves because the lilies beetles are after the leaves. Right. So just make sure you spraying the the you know have a little spritzer, spritzer bottle because you want to get the bottom side of the leaves. Also, what you can do is actually just lift up the leaf. You'll see little roll of orange eggs, and you can just take your fingernail and a little bucket or something like that and just scrape off the eggs and yeah. get rid of them before they hatch as Go well. Go through and picking them out. That's usually the best way yep. to do it. Um, a lot of people who are who are avid lily gardeners will yeah. will know the times of year. Um, usually mid June and early July, you'll go through and you'll start searching and scouting for those little lily eggs. Uh, the, her second question is: Wonder why my yard is covered in spider webs? I sprayed with ambush once, and they're back again one week later. Yeah, because ambush is a contact. Remember, right. so then uh, these spiders just reproduce like crazy. Once the spider sack opens up, there's just Hundreds of these little spiders. Now, yep. one thing good is it's large spider webs. Those actually aren't harming yep. your plants. Yep. They're actually controlling other insects yep. in your yard. So those aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's just not the nicest thing to be sitting in a yard full of uh, big or, spider webs all the time, like especially my, when you're entertaining. Or on our acres, my house is the, the eaves and all that just covered with spider webs. And we've had a horrendous amount of fish flies. Just well, I'm getting gross. Uh, like my house is just covered. You, you can't even get in the door. <laughs> Like fly, I'm getting mosquitoes everywhere yeah. in my place. Yeah. So Man, a lot of people, bad. what they're doing now is they're actually setting up bat houses um, yep. to catch some of the mosquitoes and some of the other flies too. So we're attracting bats and to also, our houses. And also so fish flies they, and mosquitoes don't like garlic. So yeah. you can spray the garlic around. You know, Right. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Uh, if you can stand the bats, you're okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's if you'd a rather have now. the mosquitoes rather than the bats, then that's it, your choice. And I just read a little article that there's there's a, a disease going around with bats in Saskatchewan, just entered Saskatchewan just this year, I guess. It's called whiteface, and it's a disease that's killing off some of the bats. 
Oh, so boy. that's not good either because that's they, eat, good, they no. eat a lot of in, lot, turning, lot of insects, a lot of mosquitoes. Turning into vampires, maybe. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just getting silly. Sorry. All right. Let's keep going with the text line here. Where do we leave off? There's a, there's a whole bunch here that are that have uh, come in. So let me go back to where we were here. Um, Sarah is in Craven. Let's go to that one. Last year we had potato beetles partially eating foliage on our potatoes. Last season didn't think it was much of it, much of it. This year they came back with vengeance, completely wiped out the plants. So we talked about this again. Is yep. getting those plant them again, planting or planting onions in, even even putting the other. If you want to get some color in your yard and attract even some bees, not put go alternate even. Put some onions in. If you're doing every third, go every second one. Put a marigold in. Yeah. You know, and that, that also, they don't like the marigolds. So you can do a multiple different things, plant onions in between, plant marigolds in between, and then you don't have to use insecticides. I've also read that chives has a similar effect too. So if you want some pretty flowers, yep. put a row of chives in. There you go. Let's uh, take a quick break here. We've got a news update coming up for everybody as well. More to come on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We are and garden talk is flying by already. Can't believe it. Half yep. an hour left in the show. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm with Jill and uh, Rick. Of course, we're talking about some of the texts we've gotten over the break. We're trying to get as many answers as we can because we've had so many. Yes. This, this last one was uh, somebody had a row of tower poplars that have ca- carpenter ants. They thought yep. they're yep. seeing sawdust at the base of some of the trees. Yeah, so You're saying it's that's, not carpenter ants. Yeah. It's, it's it's a poplar bore. So what should happen? What will happen with them? And it's really hard to get rid of them. But you have to get the concentrated um, Doctor Doom. It's in a tall brown can, and it has a little orange red tube on it, just like a WD forty can. And then you spray that into the holes. And you got to do that about every, I would say, every seven to ten days. Spray into those holes, and then hopefully you can get them from moving around. But they're really hard, and it's it normally is the is the end of the tree. When they get inside, it's kind yep. of the last line okay. of defense now, yep. right now. So the big thing is, is the other trees around it, keeping them healthy, keeping them fertilized, keeping them watered. Right. Uh, because the boar, like I talked about earlier in the show, is the boars only go after trees that are stressed. I talked okay. to three different people this week about this issue, so yep. it is something yep. that we're seeing. Yep. We're seeing Swedish aspen, tower poplars. They're going to get it bad, so just making sure that uh, you keep on top of it, and uh, you need, as soon as you see that sawdust in the bottom. Find the they're shaped like a D, the hole, and okay. make sure you spray that. Put that little straw inside the hole and spray a bunch inside the hole. Okay, sounds okay. good. This is Diane in Saskatoon. Something I've been wondering wondering about: Is it okay to water all my house plants with tap water, or should I use distilled water? Thank you. Love your show. You can water them with a tap water. We do have chlorine in our water here in Saskatoon and in other areas. They do um, add some things in. Sometimes you'll get a little bit of tipping, brown tipping, but research has shown that the amount of chlorine is not enough to do severe damage to your plant at all. You can let the water sit overnight, let the chlorine evaporate out, or you can use distilled water or even rainwater um, is great too, but uh, it's it's not enough chlorine to it, really it, harm It's funny plants. how we always want a perfect plant, and if you go out into, go down to Florida, I see all these tropical plants yep. out in the, out in people's gardens or native or whatever they are. They all have brown leaves, brown tips, brown everything, right? And it's just a part of nature. That's just how it is. I mean, it's whatever's in the soil, the water, everything else. 
But uh, if you want a perfectly uh, green one, buy a plastic one. Is what you're saying? <laughs> just about. Well, they just never like, go brown. Just like us as humans, like, do we ever not get a blemish on ourselves? Like, right. we might be doing everything perfect, and we're still going to get yep. a blemish. Do you know what I so, mean? So yeah. So it's it's not the death of the plant. One no. thing I do, I use uh, water, like bottled water, not not little bottles, the big, you know, Culligan jug type things. And where I live, there's a there's a Canadian Tire there, and they have filter that that bottled water you can get them refilled and there's even ones you can add minerals to it so there's yeah. a choice that there's you know added minerals going into that water but it's had that and that that's that what stuff I was, filtered I was, out. that's a good point jay because you just said you add there's now you can add minerals back in because once you do reverse osmosis the right. filter it takes all everything out Okay. Including the chlorine. It, it took the contaminants out, but it takes all the minerals out as well. Right. And so you do need to fertilize with an organic type of fertilizer, not just a miracle grow with nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. You have to add in all those other micronutrients, which are normally in your tap water, yes. okay, that aren't taken out. Exactly. When I go into somebody's home, and the difference between... Um, someone who maybe just has a few plants and uh, doesn't fertilize and to walk into somebody's home and they've got a regular fertilizing routine and be like, oh, you're amazing at taking care of your plants. And they're like, I just fertilize in water. Um, so just adding that little bit of fertilizer on a regular basis to your house plant, that is key to success. You will be guaranteed to have a green thumb. If I'm honest, our, our watering happens like once every three weeks mm -hmm. for our indoor house plants. Yep. Most of them are succulents. Some of them are tropical. And they just get fertilized every time. Yeah, fertilize every time. I'm serious. You water. Every yep. time. Yep. I do the same and thing. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of them are. There's the odd. There's the odd cactus that looks a little funny because <laughs> it's growing like <laughs> yeah. woo, straight up. Yep. But yeah, it just works. <laughs> Uh, okay, Lindsay in Saskatoon says, I got a peony with powdery mildew. They are planted near an air conditioner. Can I move them now? Will they recover and come back next year? No, it's too with hot. The peonies, you want to make sure you only move peonies when they are dormant. So doing it in the late fall or else um, early spring is the best time to move a peony. The other thing, too, is when you're moving a peony, especially in the spring, they sometimes will have shot up their, um, their sort of bloom spike on them. And if you knock that off, the chance of them blooming that year when you move them is, is, is slim, so you might have a break in your um, in your bloom time as well. Mm, okay, uh, this is Darcy North Battleford in the text line. I have some natural Saskatchewan prairie lilies. That's cool, yep. and some other flowers that are fairly overgrown. I'd like to move them to clean the area up and redo it back to a, a controlled flower bed. Yep. When's the best time to transplant them? You can transplant them anytime after the lilies of. You know, the lilies right now, most lilies are just finishing their flowering. Yes. Okay, and then the leaves are still green. Wait till those those leaves turn brown. Oh, okay. Once the leaves turn brown, then you can either move them now or otherwise you mark the spots and you move them later on. But a lot of times the top browns right off and falls off and you don't have, you don't even know where the bulb is anymore, right? If it's the natural prairie lily that he's got, for some reason he's got the natural one, yep. it... it they are a hard one to move because they don't necessarily have that big bulb underneath yeah. them. They are sometimes spread by seed as well too. Yeah. So. so, but they will have a type of a root or something like that. So just once mm -hmm. the once the top browns off, once the leaves brown off, then you can move it. Mm -hmm. Okay, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna go to hmm, where is it from? Let's see. The next one we've got. I just gotta scroll through here. Um. Rick and Jill, red ant problem on my acreage. In the garden, lawn, house, they're everywhere. <laughs> what would you suggest? Yep. 
Well, if they're lawn and garden, you can use the nematodes like yep. the anto. Just make sure you wet the area very well first. Um, that's really important to get those nematodes to work. Because yeah, um, the ants dry out the soil, okay? And the nematodes can't go through really dry soil and they aerate the soil. So you need to soak that area first well. Put your nematodes on and then water it heavy again. And then the nematodes will go down to the nest and attack the nest. And then once they do that, then you'll get rid of the nest because actually the queen will move. But then the queen always, and the workers always take eggs with them. And the eggs will still have the nematodes in them. And it'll just keep falling around and then just totally destroy the colony. In your garden, I always love companion planting. So mint is actually an ant deterrent. So if you want to plant some mint into your garden, that's a that's a great one. And then the other one, if it's not, if it's in your patio stones, um, there's like the, always the ant out products that yeah. you can get as yeah, well. Yeah, because the nematodes won't work in the in the no. patio stones because they just you can't get them moist enough where they're hiding underneath. So um, so you can there's a lot of ant out uh, sprays that you can spray mm-hmm. uh, just along, around the edge where they're going in around the patio stones. And when they when the adults come out. Uh, they can they cross it, or you can sprinkle some diatomaceous earth, which is an organic thing. Again, it's basically crushed up seashells. Yep. And then when they go through it, it basically cuts them up. Death of a thousand cuts dehydrates them, and then they <laughs> yeah. die. Okay. Uh, Barb is in Jackfish Lake. Says I planted two fern leaf peonies. One hasn't grown much, but it looks okay. The other one, the top has died. The root bulb looks all right. Will it still grow? Anything I do, can do to save it? With the fern leaf peonies, one thing to be careful with is sometimes the first couple of years it will you'll have a, they'll go dormant, and so the, if the root's still good. Hold off on um, giving up on that peony. It's probably just gone dormant for that year. Just sort of trim it back a little bit. And the next year, it's probably going to be nice and beautiful for you. So watch that with your fern leaf peonies. Um, every once in a while, you do get a dormant year from them. And uh, they don't look so nice that year, but uh, they're just taking a break so they can be a lot better for you in the future years. Okay. Bruce is in bigger. Says they've got... 50-year-old Saskatoon bushes that aren't that are 16 feet tall, really sandy soil that only produce small berries. When and how much can I cut them back, and what do I need to fertilize them with? Um, cut them back when they're dormant. Dormant. You can do a little trimming right now. Boy, any little trimming is not a problem at all. Uh, but if you want to do a major trimming, do it when they're dormant. So either in October or otherwise next March, beginning, very beginning of April. And what? Take them down to what? 16 feet down to what? Six? Like yeah. half to a third? Yeah. Or more, you right? You take half, half or how tall do you say they are? 16 right? feet tall. Yeah. That's tall. So you can bring them down to six feet if you wanted to. Yep. Right? And then, um, uh, then fertilize them next year with a, um, with just a, just a good, Good fertilizer that will get some growth happening again. Like a 30-10-10 What other type of, what all the berries had there? Oh, just a Saskatoon bushes, small small bushes. So I'd use a 30-10-10, but on top of that, I would use a, a, called a fruit and berry, because that will help them produce more berries again. It just, it adds all those micronutrients, where the 30-10-10 doesn't have that, right? Okay. Perfect. We're going to take a quick break. It's our last lightning round coming up for the the text line, so we'll get as many as we can right after this. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Here we go. It's the lightning round on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. It is Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we're going to get through what we've got left here, but we got a call first, so we're going to go to that first, then the texts. Out to Prince Albert right now to talk to Joe. Hi there, Joe. Hi, guys. How you doing? A uh, couple of quick questions. I've yep. got a bunch of Roma tomatoes growing, and I think I planted them too close together. 
Uh, they're kind of intertwined, and some are on the ground. The fruit is on the ground. Yep. Wanted to know uh, if I'm able to pick that fruit that's laying on the ground and ripen it in a box or something. You definitely can. If it's completely green and there's like no sign, it might be a little bit too early for it, but you can definitely pick them early and let them ripen that way. Another thing that you can do too is you can even just put some stakes or even put some stakes and then some string attached to it and then tie them up to that so that it gets them off up off the ground as well too. Okay, but laying on the ground or leaving them, I'm probably going to encourage some sort of rot. Yeah, exactly. Some people will even take pieces of cardboard and stick it underneath them so they're not sitting right on the ground, and that will help as well. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Um, Lastly, I have a a gravel area in my backyard that I'm trying to do some weed control. I've tried Roundup. I've tried uh, vinegar and water with a little dish soap. Seems to work. Uh, for a short time, but they seem to regrow again. And if there's any uh, solution. There's no solution that's permanent. That's the problem. So uh, all you can do is keep on top of it because new weed seeds will just grow up in that area, right? So, uh, but Roundup uh, will take care of the the aggressive weeds that will have, you know, perennial weeds like a thistle and quackgrass and all that kind of stuff. The vinegar will take care of any annuals, but remember they're just... Vinegar doesn't keep the kill the weed seeds. What you could do if you wanted to is you could spread some corn gluten over that area as well. Okay. And corn gluten will stop the new weed seeds. It won't stop the, the, the mature plants from regrowing, but it'll yeah. stop any weed seeds from germinating. Okay. It'll break okay. the cycle a little it'll bit. It'll break the cycle from any seeds. Do not use corn gluten in your vegetable garden. No, can't be a place we're going to grow vegetables, but anywhere else you can put corn gluten. In the lawn, in the shrub bed, in the... In, on the driveway, whatever, on the gravel area, whatever. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll it works to stop the. You have to go by direction. Don't make it go a long ways. You actually go actually heavier than what it says on the on the bag. Yes. And then you'll stop the weeds from germinating. Okay. Now I noticed there's two kinds of corn gluten. The last time I went looking for it, one with nitrogen and one without. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. You, you probably for what you for that area, I'd use one without. Okay. I think right. people are using the one with the nitrogen more for fertilizing for, their for lawn. For fertilizing their lawn as well at the same time. Right. And stopping now, weeds. You said not in a vegetable garden, but using corn gluten. No. Nope. What about in a uh, flower garden? Not a problem. As, as long, long as you're not, not going to seeding. Seeding anything because right. yeah. it will make those yeah. seeds not work. Right. Okay. okay. Hey. Thanks a lot. You guys have a great weekend. You too, you too Joe. Thanks. Take care. one 332 8255 Good morning, gang. We have what appears to be an outbreak of creeping Jenny in my grass. Any specific actions I can do to get rid of it? This yep. is Chip, who's in Regina. Called Weed Be Gone. Um, it, it's Weed Be Gone, and it has an iron in it. Okay. It's not 2,4-D, but an iron in it. It works very well for getting that creeping Charlie. A spray? A spray, but also using corn gluten, because Creeping Charlie has a zillion seeds. Creeping Charlie or Creeping Jenny? This is Creeping Jenny. Creeping uh, Charlie. Creeping Jenny would not be invasive yeah, like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's the different. That's yeah. that's what it is then. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're saying. But Creeping Charlie has a zillion seeds to it, and so the 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 in the grass, and then that will stop them from germinating. Right. So okay. that's why the corn gluten will work yes. for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where are we going to here? Another text. 
That is from Cody in Saskatoon for Garden Talk. Couple questions. My root vegetables did not do well this year. Radishes mostly, but carrots and beets haven't really been great either. Is it because of too much moisture? Yeah, well, the moisture and and, and nutrients nutrients and causing a lot of top growth. We heard that about three times during the show this last two hours, I think. Yeah, I think we had a lot of moisture really at the early onset with all that rain that we had. And then what people would probably just kept fertilizing, fertilizing, fertilizing. With those root crops, you don't need as much fertilizer for those guys. And you really have to watch how much compost you put into your garden at the early part. Especially for the root crops. For the root crops. The top stuff is fine, like corn. That's why you're getting all that huge top growth is because you have Mm -hmm. so much nutrients there. This is his second question is, how do I successfully grow a window side herb garden in the winter? It gets really cold by the windows and there are herb gardens you can buy yep. that would just sit next to a window but there's ones that have built-in grow lights yeah it, it, well, arrow garden arrow gardens and that kind of stuff yeah right. so that that you can move away from the, the window if it's if he has a really cold window maybe not be a, it's not a triple glaze window or something like that but uh but grow yeah. lights are key to success yeah. with uh with a winter garden and, yeah. and making sure that you have a regular fertilizing routine those two things combined will yeah. you'll or, have success all the or time or set up by a window but have a little table rather than sitting right on the windowsill just a few more inches away yeah. right. and then you'd be fine right um, some more you space you can get um led lights that will mount even underneath your countertop too so or underneath your cupboard so if you wanted yeah. to grow them that way in yeah. your kitchen you could do that too i got a set as well that just kind of screw onto the side of a table and yep. they've got three different arms with those led bulbs Yep. We use them to kind of keep some plants alive in a room that does that faces north. We want plants there, but yep. there's not enough sunlight. sunlight. Exactly. And so in the winter, it kind of helps that too. So there's yeah. a whole bunch of ways you can put LED grow lights there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as big and bulky as it used to be, right? Because they're just yep. LED bulbs now. Exactly. exactly. That's the key. Okay. Uh, this is from Barry, who's in Kindersley. We've got a couple minutes left. Good morning. What time of year is the best time to transplant raspberries? What kind of conditions do they do best in? Okay. Either the late fall. Okay. Once the leaves start turning color, like the raspberries, as long as they turn color, you can move them. Or otherwise, in the first week of April is actually the best time. Okay. For actually, sorry, the, it won't be the first week of April. It'll be about the fifteenth of April because the frost is still on the ground the first. Okay. All right. We talked about a peony with powdery mildew mildew near an air conditioner. So we talked about spraying it. Spray it before it's moved, though? Yeah. So, yes. Well, you can spray it before it's moved. But basically what you're doing is you're spraying to get rid of those fungus spores on it. So you don't want to be moving those spores around. So that's yep. very important. Okay. Uh, near Grandora, uh, Lorna says, after amending soil with... Years of old manure in their garden, potatoes and all tops. Sorry, can't all this. tops. Yeah, all, all tops, tops. Right. Same, Same thing, thing with tomatoes. No fruit. No potatoes See, underneath. Ni- ni- uh, potatoes fix their own nitrogen, right? So you don't have to put very much compost or anything nutrients in with potatoes at all. Either peas or carrot, cor- peas and beans. Same thing. Okay, you don't need a ton for those because they fix their own nitrogen. Okay, perfect. Uh, for the garden, how could you give? Or could you give an opinion on par three for weed control? Yeah, par par three is um, it, it, what's that? It's pretty much round. No, it's like a, it's more like a two four D really, and oh. and there's some other product, and I can't remember the other one. So par three works. Uh, they use it mostly in golf courses and that kind of stuff for bigger could, areas. Could you use it in the garden? Yeah, uh, not in the garden. No, 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 because no. you'll take out. Your, everything else. Everything else. Yeah. So if and you it's not it, available in stores. You can only get that. Well, if, you can get it some places. Uh, I think you can get it early snack and stuff. But if you go within in the garden, you have to basically just spray, just 
just a little mist and right with a little mister bottle right close to the weed. Okay. If we mixed your, missed your text, we will get it answered afterwards. But otherwise, thanks for listening to us. and Happy Sunday. Enjoy yeah. gardening. Enjoy the heat and yep. keep hydrated. You bet. Yes. We'll see you same time, same place next weekend. This has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.